This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Hello and welcome to the Publicly Challenged Podcast. I'm your host, Luke Oswald, and I hope you join me on my quest for knowledge to become a better hunter, angler, and forager. Stick with this and who knows, maybe we will learn something together. So before we get started on the show, I want to talk about a few things. I want to talk about the giveaway I'm doing on the Western Hunting Summit. So I'm giving away a spot to the Western Hunting Summit in Bozeman, Montana, with uh, Ryan Lampers that he puts on. And there's going to be some awesome, awesome people there teaching you all kinds of things and advancing your hunting experience so you can get years ahead of where you would flatten that learning curve, if you will. I went last year and it was absolutely amazing and I wanted to share that experience with somebody. So with that being said, send an email to admin at publiclychallenged.com telling us why you think you should go. Follow Publicly Challenged on Instagram. Follow Western Hunting Summit on Instagram and also Initial Ascent because they're going to be giving away a 2K pack to the lucky winner who gets to go out there. So not only are you going out there, but you get a brand new pack to go out there with. So follow Initial Ascent. And thanks, Dennis, for and uh, and Joe for stepping in and doing that. Initial Ascent packs are awesome. I got one and uh, I used it all last season. Same exact pack the winner is going to be receiving. So that's pretty cool. Also, want to talk about Base Map. Base map hunt fish, awesome app. It's probably one of the coolest because the price point is way lower than all of the other ones out there, and you can do all the same features. And they even have hunt data stuff that I'm using right now for my next elk hunt, and uh, that's definitely pretty cool. So check it out. Use the promo code PC25 and save yourself 25% on sign up. But you got to do it online on the website. Don't do it on the app, or you won't be able to use the promo code. With that being said, thank you so much, and let's get to the show. All right, so I'm sitting here, and I'm talking to Troy Fowler. 
And uh, Troy, you want to go ahead and introduce yourself a little bit? Yeah, of course. I'm uh, a guy who never expected to be interviewed on a podcast or have a YouTube channel. And uh, somehow, three years ago, I started a YouTube channel and it's kind of gotten crazy. So I'm an old geezer. I'm 52. I'm BC, which is before carbon for all you millennials. <laughs> and back in the old days when we had wheels that were that big around and rubber string, I mean, the strings were terrible and we had flipper rests and 600 grain aluminum arrows. We shot through everything. And then carbon comes along and overdraws and things got a little crazy. And I went down the whole path and was not experiencing the same amount of success as I was in the past. And I went off the rails and left all my friends behind and went and started to explore much higher mass projectiles with high forward of center and hand sharpenable broadheads, kind of going back in time. That's the way it was done. When I started, I saw the Thunderhead become the number one replaceable broadhead. That's how old I am. But nowadays, the replaceable blade broadheads, Muzzy's on. It was Muzzy and Thunderhead, and then everything else was hand sharpenable. Hmm. It was mostly Zwickies. And Magnus, Mr. Som had Magnus that looked like a Zwicky back in the old days, and he sold that part of the company. That's what you had. Everything was 155 grains. Nobody knew any different. The aluminum arrows, you're shooting a 2117 that weighs 500 grains. You don't know that. And we shot through everything. I had a 10-yard pin on my first, but that's how slow it was. I mean, it, it was like grandpa. And I remembered what was going on back then, so I wandered off by myself, started testing proactively on the feral hog population of our ranch. My wife's family has a ranch, and I run it. That's my, why I'm calling myself the Ranch Fairy, because I've called myself the Ranch Fairy at the ranch forever. And started to have elevated success, much shorter blood trails. And I've gotten to the point now, and this is going to sound completely arrogant. Take it however you want to. I don't really care. You can turn, off, turn it off if you want. I go out now and I know something's going to die unless I make a mistake. Five years ago, I was like, God, I hope I get one. I was 50% on feeder shots, known distance on big fair hogs, over 200 pounds. We, that's a big one on our place. We don't have any agriculture. Woo, agriculture around us. So they work pretty hard. So they just don't get humongous. And you don't, you get about five shots a year at the big, big adults. It's not like they just parade in all the time. There's a bunch of little turds running around, big deal. They start passing on those guys. But um, I started just blowing them down. The other day I shot one, 12 yards, went through him. The arrow skipped 20 yards after it went through. It was a 710 grain arrow. Went right through this pig, right in the shoulder. Skipped 20 yards, and I saw it back in the woods. I just got out of the blind. I waited two minutes. It was hit perfect. I walked up and got him. And because the system, the arrow systems are unbelievable. So and where this led me is into you public guys, to, to stay on the rails with you guys. <clears throat> Y'all go into really dynamic hunting situations. I have a saddle. Tethered, tethered supplied me two saddles and those things are awesome i really like saddles yeah. they're freaking awesome that phantom's fun. awesome <laughs> they're great and the, the shooting angles are fantastic you can really shoot a lot of different directions you're not just pinned 
you know, this direction. You can't, you know, the old tree stand, you're kind of like, woo. Yep. <laughs> It, uh, it, yeah, no, sadly, you can swing around. I've used it a bunch. I videoed my buddy. They're ran, they're wonderful, right? Yeah. It took. I mean, it took me a little bit. And to y'all get don't used to get. It. Yeah, what's different? What was different for you? So I think um, the adjustment of like the bridge and my anchor at first um, mm-hmm. was kind of different. Um, I, I used to hunt out of one of yep. the original lone wolf hand climbers, and. Uh, Yep. It was just a little bit different, but once I got used to it and figured out how to, you know, put the bridge over my shoulder and do different things like that, I, th- I think it, it really kind of mm-hmm. all came together. And then I was like, man, I could shoot any direction, weak side, strong side. It doesn't matter. It's I can't all get over that part. No? <laughs> the the directional, you can really almost shoot 360 degrees. Yeah. I mean, you yeah. can kind of hang off the tree wherever you want and just shoot you a damn deer. It's great. <laughs> and I didn't hunt in a saddle till this year. I went to North Dakota and hunted with the Tether guys, with Shane Simpson and with uh, Garrett Prawl. And that was the first time I ever saddled. They just, they showed me how to do it. And I went out and said, okay. And then we had deer walk right under us. But um, going back to kind of the evolution of the Ranch Ferry Channel, I started posting videos on High Florida Center arrows, arrows with three, 400 grains up front, perfect arrow flight how to sharpen single bevel broadheads all the dr ashby stuff i'm a board member of the ashby bow hunting foundation and um it just kind of took off and then i met the hunting public guys and it really took off thanks to them um i got a ton of exposure um for this concept but applying it to what y'all do your deer comes by and that's it you don't, you don't have a lot of, you get the angle you get. You ain't like, well, he's coming back to the old deer feeder. We'll just wait around, you know, you don't get that. Yeah. And what I saw on video was a lot of quartering two shots. And that is theoretically the worst angle on the planet. Unless your arrow weighs 600 grains and it's flying perfect and has a machined broadhead on that is razor sharp and you can shoot right through a deer's shoulder bones and just, smoke him instead of shooting him back and hoping yeah and it's it's a really elevated arrow system i keep saying that i don't talk about bows much they're kind of boring a bow (laughs) is a kinetic energy spring all they do is push for the thousands of dollars and all the back bars and matching up your four foot stabilizer and getting your wing dinger and getting your eyeballs right and Peep sight camouflage matches your Kuyu hat. Um, bow and arrows are boring. They don't kill anything. They just push. And the, I've got a bow over here that's $200 kid bow called the Project Dig Dick. I cranked it down to 43 pounds and ran a 700 grain arrow on it and shot a 200 pound pig and just, it would have passed through, but it hit his mandible. It hit <laughs> the back of his jaw. That's the hardest bone in the body. So it didn't pass through that. I'm sorry. So that's a little bit about the story. And I really never expected to become anything important. I figured I would stay in a hole. I think I figured I would stay in a weird kid's, you know, back of the bus or whatever. And that would be that, even though it works awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so I actually first heard about you. I was watching a live stream from Aaron Snyder. And somebody kept Aaron was talking about his trad setup and his FOC and what grain broadheads and this and that. And, uh, poor guy. And, uh, somebody, somebody goes, well, he actually shoots a fairly, uh, 
you know, high number of FOC. I, I can't remember what it was, like 20. Yeah. It's in the high chains. Yeah. yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But so one of the guys was saying, hey, have you ever talked to Ranch Ferry, blah, blah, blah. And he goes, I, who's Ranch Ferry? I, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. tell me more about this, whatever. Um, and mm-hmm. so I started, I looked you up. And I'm like, oh, okay. Started watching your videos and stuff. And then uh, at that time, I think like, couple weeks later or whatever i ended up seeing that you did some stuff with the hunting public and watched those videos and i was like wow this is really cool you know i I like what this guy's doing and it's funny because i didn't know about you i put together an arrow and i didn't put it with as much foc as like what you shoot or anything but i knew i wanted Mm -hmm. a heavy freaking arrow because i started thinking back kind of like you were talking about in the past i had an old pearson compound bow uh, I think they're X, uh, uh, I can't remember, 1175s or something like that, or 1170. Mm-hmm. XX75s, yeah, yeah, the ones with the inserted knocks. Yep. And, uh, you know, I, I shot them, and I shot great. I mean, I remember me and my buddy at, like, 40 yards were consistently putting holes through a Snapple cap and that was hanging on a piece of wire. Yep. And I'm like, yep. I had a newer bow and compound, and then I got away from it and went to a trad bow, and then shot heavy with a trad bow and it seemed to do okay i just never had the time to practice enough to where i felt confident with it so i went back to a compound and when i did you Mm -hmm. know you just go to your pro shop right and they tell you what you need and they set you up and and, oh yeah this is a fast arrow and blah 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 and i started having some stuff too where it was like man i'm just not killing them the way i'm tracking i'm not you know wounding them good and i started thinking about it and if you think about the principle of a nine millimeter and why they developed a 45 (laughs) <laughs> you know, I mean, it's the mm-hmm. same concept, right? What do you, you want to poke holes or do you want to punch holes? So I went yeah. to a heavy arrow and I said, I want the heaviest freaking arrow we can order. And I ended up getting it yeah. with the victory. Um, but, you know, same thing. And I was like, okay, I want a heavy insert. I want to get some FOC. I don't care, you know, whether it's 50% or, or, you know, 10%, but I just want some, some FOC there because it seems like when you go to a bow shop, they're just a balanced arrow. There is no real FOC. It's super lightweight, and everything's either 100 grain or 125. There is no 150 or anything right, so, like that. Right. In Dr. Ed's study, there was no over 19% penetration consistently increased for every percentage gain. 30 is a unicorn. So if you can get if you could get to 30 on a con you can get to 30 on a stick bow because they don't push as hard you can shoot a light spined light arrow physically light arrow yeah and a ton of mass out front and you can get that to fly i've got these are 400 grain tough heads i'm gonna zing those on my stick bow. i'm gonna do a stick bow trad series here in the spring and just i'm gonna just disrupt the world again i'm just <laughs> the hate mail is going to be Epic. I shot a stick bow for 10 years. I'm very well versed in the stick bow world. And, um, but nobody knows that. So here I come, baby. <laughs> but, um, you really actually want a moderate weight arrow and a bunch of weight out front. And then you want perfect arrow flight. You, you can't compromise that. This is something that gets wrapped around the ashes. I just did a video on this. I see a lot of people saying, Hey, my Florida Center is X. I said, Does it fly? Well, I just slapped some old weight on the old 340. It's probably bending like a banana. So, the, I always say if you can get over 550 and get over 16 or 17 percent, Gold Tip has a FOC calculator. You can just input your whole arrow system and it'll tell you what's there. I, I don't know how accurate it is, but I use it all the time. I don't care. It's a reference point for me. Right. I know when I'm in the 20s, I'm I'm in 
whack-em land. I mean, you get up around 16 to 19%, your game will change. That's when you actually need to start, you need to start considering what broadheads you're shooting and if they can handle the momentum. So that's literally, yeah, I ended up going with, uh, I wanted something because anymore you can't get a sharpenable broadhead hardly with it. That's a quality broadhead or a balanced broadhead or any of that kind of stuff. And I got tired of just the chintzy little stamped, you know, razor blades that were coming mm-hmm. in them. And I, so I ended up going with the day six. I forked over the yep. money. I'm sure there's other options out there. Um, but I ended up going with that. I liked the fact that it was, you know, tool steel, you know, the, all the good stuff about it and you could sharpen it. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, I'm going to go with 150 grainers. I got like 14% FOC. I think maybe, yep. maybe a little more, maybe 16, but Yep. The results that I've seen, as long as I put a decent shot on them, they drop. They're done. They they, they yeah. go. I think <laughs> the well, the last buck I shot, it did the drunken sailor walk for twenty yards and just fell right over. I mean, I knew he wasn't even going to go anywhere. You could you could just tell, and yep. it was just amazing. All day long. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's called cardiogenic shock. So that's a physiologic fact. When you sever the major vessels in the forward part of the thorax, I'm a respiratory therapist and I had a cadaver. So I had tests where there was needles literally stuck in the chest of a cadaver and you know what artery and stuff were there. So as far as the rest of the bow hunting world, I got that on you. So anyway, <laughs> that, that situation where they do the drunken sailor is called cardiogenic shock. And cardiogenic shock is a situation where it's easy, most easily described as if you uh, put a spray nozzle on your hose and you turn the hose on and it was... It wasn't spraying, and you cut the cut the uh, hose, and it would shoot out. Okay, the, there would be this immediate spray in your face. That's what happens in cardiogenic shock to a deer, but they have a limited amount of blood. Obviously, your water system will keep flowing and just flood your yard if you're a dumbass and you don't turn it off, right? <laughs> but a deer only has a limited amount of, of blood, and what happens is the body senses that and starts drawing the blood away from the artery, the legs. And pulling it to the front because it needs not to die. It's trying not to die. And they start wobbling. Their legs don't work. It's a fact. It's just a fact. So you shoot them low through the thorax with something very sharp. You're going to see the drunken sailor every time. It's not possible it could be anything else. If you shoot one forward on the crease, lower one third, like I've in the vital V, like I've got videos on where people are scared to shoot, to kill stuff. And they don't do the drunken sailor. That's on you, because you shot them with a dull broadhead. Hmm. There's no other. There's no other thing. There's no mystery thing that happens or magical thing or whatever that happens. They're either going to die, or if they haul ass, you might have shot them with something that's dull. You you might be irris- completely irresponsible. You didn't check your broadheads. You didn't sharpen them to razor sharp. That's on you. There isn't factually physiologically any other thing could possibly happen so let's kind of dive into that a little bit more then because i mean i do sharpen my broadheads throughout the season and naturally those things are yep. like like a freaking knife anyway and they retain an edge really well mm-hmm. i've, even, I've yep. even picked them up and uh, done some different things with them you know testing the sharpness um but i mean how often if you think i guess if you think about it this is what got me thinking more and more is every time you're shoving it in that foam, right? And you're, and you're, you're essentially mm-hmm. cutting and dulling. It's right? not getting better. It's yeah. not getting better. It may not be terrible, but it's not improving. 
So how often yep. should one long. be testing and sharpening your broadheads? Every day. If you're hunting every day, just check them. Get a piece of paper. Does it cut and does it tear? Uh, <laughs> yeah, right. I don't know if this is sharp. We're going to find out. Yeah, it's not real sharp. Okay. That one's, I haven't really played with. It's pretty sharp, but it's not real, real scary sharp. These are all out of my stuff here. But get a piece of paper, pull your broadhead out of the quiver, right? And check it. Now that one, <laughs> that one is good. Oh, no, it's not. That's doing all right. So those are a little bit dull. So that's an example of a broadhead I would not shoot. Yeah. But I have broadheads I would shoot. This is... This is tough as new evolution single bevel. And I talk trash. Let's find out if I'm any good at this. Yeah. Yep. That that, it's your broadheads to be able to do that, right? All day long. It just, oh, how fine can we get this? Little pigtails. So they so, won't do that. You shouldn't be shot. You should not be hunting. You shouldn't. You should not be out there. So all the people You're that just are just going to have a long day. <clears throat> it, uh, it doesn't tear the paper at all. It actually just straight up cuts it. <laughs> yeah. If you'll, you can listen to the paper. I can actually maybe demonstrate that for the people listening. This will be fun. Let's see if this works. Um, come here, paper. This one is dull because I've been screwing around, shooting it around. So let's see if we can hear the sound. That. You hear that raspy sound? Yep. If you're watching, I don't know if you can see that. There are little hairs. Oh, I can't see it no, on the paper. But yeah, when you look at the paper, tears. you'll see little little hairs on there. And then when you get one that's chomp, this is the Tough Head 300. It was a fantastic piece of equipment. And it just, and it's, that one is, it just, it just, it's smooth sounding. Okay, that you can't really hear it until you see it. But I'm looking at it, and the cuts on that, there's no little dings on the paper. The cuts look the same. Your best friend on the planet is a straw, day to day. So, <clears throat> do you make your own? This is a paddle straw. No, yep. I buy. It. I bought oh. this one, but I'll make my own. So. One of these days, but I bought this one. I don't know from where. And you can see how shiny this side is. I sanded this with 2,000 grit sandpaper and got it's almost like a piece of glass. It's just butter smooth. This side is a hairy coarse side. There's a ton of videos on YouTube on how to handle a strop, and I'm not going to do one on my own because people have done it better than I can. And you all are going to be on YouTube doing other things anyway. So go on YouTube and look up a strop. This is all you need day to day. You need paper. And I'm one of these. And you literally, this is this side has aluminum oxide paste in it. It's a little bit rougher. It's not very rough, but it's got rougher leather. And then this side is glass. I mean, you can see it shining. And you won't believe what this will do to a broadhead. And it you'll go from where you can hear it going through the paper, but it cuts it nice to just. And that's the difference. Listen, at impact. Broadheads do two do two things. There's no other possibility. None. They either remain in a static state 
or they erode. That's it. The better quality steels will stay in static state through all kind of crazy stuff. We shot a pig this weekend with that little gem. S7 tool steel, 20 degree bevels, the Tough Head Evolution, we're testing it. They're out for sale, but I'm, I'm doing some trying to punish them. And they are not being punished. They are laughing. And my buddy hit this pig perfect. She was 12 yards. She jumped the string a little bit. He shot a little high because she was just right there. And he's, her spine exploded. <laughs> yeah. Now, she went down. But I didn't know it exploded until I took it apart. And I, did, I got a video coming up later this month about that pig. And I did one of my necropsies, which, of course, gets me demonetized. And I really get punished on the monetization on YouTube. But I'm doing it anyway because it's such good information. I try to keep it pretty clean. I don't act like, try not to act like an ass and have blood everywhere and guts just pulling out. I try to keep it relatively scientific. Well, what happened on this pig was generally when we shoot him in the spine, usually the broadhead's anchored in the spine. And we dig it out. Well, this one went through the spine, passed through, and the fletchings shredded off, and they were in the spine. The complete pass through, 640, 23% with the, that, you know, single bevel broadhead. And it made no sound. It went choop. And she was down. So I skinned her back, took the shoulder off. I'm looking at the wound. You can see where the wound slot is. It broke a rib and then shattered the spine. I make an incision from the top to the bottom, and she fell apart in my hands. The spine was completely, it exploded. Hmm. And that's the rotation of the single bevel. I've not seen that with double bevels. I've not. I've shot a lot of pigs with them. They would have gone through the spine probably, but I don't. You don't see this rotational force where the spine was actually. There was nothing. That was all. The bone was fragmented. So that's just the next level of this whole sport and trying to keep our effectiveness rates up. Listen, we're not going to have a sport if we don't have publishable effectiveness rates one of these days. Yeah. And that's what the Ashby Foundation is going to start working with. We're going to start trying to, we're going to go back into the study. We're going to do it with a compound. Ed's still alive. I, he lives right, he lives four hours to me. I talk to him all the time. And he's curious as, to, as well. Everybody's like, well, all he did was a stick blow because stick blows are slow. So the man broke his back. Okay. He fell off a mountain, broke his back. And that's why he didn't continue. He was going, he was a trad shooter, so he just shot trad. And another little fact about the study is it's called the Natal study because what three countries in Africa in the 70s and 80s were open to bow hunting because they had no ways or means laws. That means you could shoot them with a cannon, muzzleloader, 50 BMG. Nobody cared how you hunted in those three countries. The rest of it was closed. To official bow hunting. There's a lot of it going on. Trust me, the locals were shooting them with whatever. They got to eat. The Game Commission took on Ed Ashby and said, if you'll do a formal study for us on the effectiveness of bow and arrows, um, we'll talk about opening up the continent. That study is over two decades long. And its only purpose was to prove that a bow and arrow was effective for taking game up to elephant. It's written like a white paper. Guess why? Because the government used it 
as their document to open the whole continent. So it's what, unbelievable. What were kind of some of the findings that they found that uh, that correlated to the to the arrow, the weight, and retention, and all that stuff? <clears throat> well, I think one of the coolest things about the study is uh, he talks about bows a little bit, but it's all about arrows. Listen, our sport's all about the bow. I say this all the time. I've said it on hunting public stuff. I'm not going to stop saying it. Archery is shooting an arrow from you to the target. Bow hunting begins at impact. No one's studying that. Everybody just assumes if you hit them with a stick with a sharp point, they're going to die. Nothing, <laughs> nothing could be further from the truth. There's so many dynamic things going on when that broadhead hits something. It's unbelievable. We're going to get a high-speed camera and start doing some really cool stuff uh, showing how much the arrows impact, you know, paradox and how much there's tail whip on angled shots and some stuff that's causing some penetration issues. But the, the core of the study showed that with the, the number one penetrating arrow was 650 grains plus, all shot angles. Rigid, single bevel broadheads were the top performer. And right behind that was a rigid one-piece double bevel and perfect arrow flight. And then there's 12 other factors, sharp, the angle of the bevel, the way, the how much, all, all, the mechanical advantage. So Ed's great. Ed has like, Ed's super smart and he uses simple examples. So which wheelchair ramp do you think is easier to go up. Uh, yeah, okay. so it, it, the ratio of width to length would be... Well, just this right here is yeah. a much easier way to... If you're going to ride a wheelchair ramp up into your house, there's an iron wheel wide, okay? Yep. Which one is going to cause less work to be done over distance, right? The longer, the it's longer that broadhead versus the wider, shorter right. one. Yeah. It's just less... It's less work when it's going in. And then one of the things that really came out of it, and this is really overlooked, broadheads don't have uh, cavitation. They don't have any hydrostatic shock. The FBI has written extensively about that. And 22 to 2300 feet per second is where all that happens. If you're, if you're shooting an arrow that's going 2300 feet per second, you're good. But most of us aren't. We're about 10% of that. So there's no help from the velocity to push the organs apart. It's only cutting. And then the broadhead itself relieves that pressure because it's cutting. Bullets are round. I mean, they're literally blunt force objects pushing. So they're going to push things away. They kill completely differently. And so that's why you need a very long wound channel. And the less efficient broadheads do not give you a long wound channel. You, you can only get what the broadhead touches. You only get what the broadhead touches to kill stuff. And if it goes halfway in, you're 50% of what you could have been. Yeah. No, that's what I've noticed with this setup <laughs> that I've got now is it's entire pass-throughs. Bone does not matter anymore. Um, it, it doesn't. It's just going to keep going. It, it, uh, 
it's going to keep going until it finds its uh, rest, resting place, which is definitely the only trouble the you might have with a double bevel broadhead because I've tried it. Um, there's stuff I don't show on my YouTube channel. So I shot two or three little pigs, probably 80, 90 pounds. I'm not shooting a big one because I know they're going to suck that air up and laugh at me. Quartering two with 525, 500 grains, light arrows for me. And double bevel broadheads that are high quality. And I lost all three of them. And I stopped doing it. And that was impact on a quartering two shot right into the shoulder junction. It's a really hard bone right here, right? Every arrow stopped and the arrow was sticking out. They didn't die. Hmm. I mean, I didn't kill them. There was that much arrow sticking out. They run around with broadhead in them still. I guarantee you they didn't die. And I stopped doing it. You're not supposed to talk about stuff like that, but I'm a researcher, so poo. But um, when I went up to 700 and shot this guy, it goes chut, and the humerus gets cut in half. <laughs> it sounds arrogant, but it can be – this all goes back to your public guys. When you get that slight quarter and two shot, you have two choices. I'm going to shoot him behind a crease and pray, which is a terrible option because from an elevated position – you are almost guaranteed one lung, low liver. The hepatic artery comes off the spine. That's a fact. I don't care who the hell you are. They're in an animal on earth where the hepatic artery does not come off the spine because that's where the aortic, the uh, abdominal aorta is. So the blood comes out of the heart, goes right under your spine. God protected it from everything. It's a humongous vessel. And then everything drops off the top. Okay. And. So you're, you're, you're going to shoot one long. I did a whole series of court called the quartering two series. I've got four videos one with Garrett Prawl, three with the hunting public guys showing me different shot angles. You're going to get one long. You're going to hit low liver and you're going to gut shoot them. There's, there's nothing else there because you're elevated. And what's going to happen is that hole's plugged. Yeah. There's no miracle there. There's no way to say, well, blood runs through that sack of hay. That deer's been eating hay and browse all day. We know that's fact. They're not, you know, and blood's going to get out of there. It's, so you're just going to have a long day. They're going to yeah. go a, quite a distance with no, nothing to track on. I actually had that shot this year. Sure. And um, I, I, it was kind of a messed up situation. I, I ended up drawing back, and you know, I, I just tried to, like, close my eyes, open them up, reset myself, and take the yeah. shot. and in doing that and trying to follow my shot sequence, I ended up putting that shot on him and he actually stepped quartering to me, took another step and quartered to me a little bit. And I put that on him and I was up really high, like 30 yep. foot high. I was hunting high that yep. day and I did yep. that and um, ended up doing a whole episode with the guy on um, that actually I called tracking dog and uh, we found him. Mm -hmm. He only went 80 yards, yep. circled back to where he was like 30 yards in front of my tree stand, but I couldn't see him where he was. It was thick. Right. And uh, it was six six hours later or so, and he was he was hurt bad, real bad. Still he, up, though. I mean, he was still, still alive. Still alive, still alert. Yeah, right. And uh, yeah. I, so I grabbed my bow and put a second shot, and when I did that, the way he was sitting down, his shoulder blade was right there, but I... I tucked one in there and cut the whole top of his heart off and went through both shoulder blades and <laughs> it was game It's amazing over. how long they can live on that shot. Yeah. That, so the lungs are actually multiple lobes. And when one gets deflated, the rest of them are fine. They're really not that bad. 
And because of the way the pressure's working, all that stuff in there, they'll just collapse. There's blood coming out and stuff, but it's not a massive wound. Back in the lungs is terrible. Yeah. It's terrible. <laughs> it's really not a great spot to shoot them. And then from an elevated position and quarter and two, you're shooting them back here. And it's just going to go out their butt. You know, it's going to go out in the middle of their, of their side of them. So when you, when you get these elevated quality arrow systems, you've got to take time to bear shaft and get them flying right. You can't just load up your whatever arrow you got and pray to God it's going to work. It will not. If it's flying sideways, it will not work. But with perfect arrow flight and a really high quality broadhead, you could just aim for the heart. You'd have been better off. I said massive penetration. You'd have been better off shooting that deer right in the shoulder and getting 12 inches of penetration. He'd have gone 35 yards. Yeah. I And and that's the thing I realize is. You're just, no, no, it's nothing on you. That's <laughs> what the, the, the whole industry is talking, telling you the wrong thing. No, without a doubt. I, I realized, uh, like, it was on me. It was a bad shot. But if I would have realized the accordion. You shot him where you were told to shoot him. <laughs> Well, kind of. You you gotta <laughs> go off the rails to do this crazy stuff, um, brother. But I, uh, <laughs> I, I mean, you know, and and on the last year, I just put it right in the crease, tucked it right in there on his shoulder, you know, and I didn't care. It didn't matter if I smoked hit. him. Yeah, and it was it was completely different. But knowing that my arrow can do that, and knowing that it would have done that then, yeah, I mean, it's a whole different ball game. It, it's uh, there's confidence. You had the within shot. Everybody setup. gets. Yeah. Yeah, and this year. I'm going to post this video soon. So, so a lot of the channels don't post um, cleaning the deer and the crop season and stuff like that because you get punished pretty hard by YouTube. And I don't care about that. So I monetize what I can and the heck with it. I'm a researcher, so I'll figure it out. But anyway, Warb sent me a text and said, hey, what do you think? And this is a big deer, physically big Midwest deer and a big framed up 10 with big tines. He's beautiful. He's the deer. Everybody cries about that they shot and lost. Huh, yeah. Okay. And the arrow hits forward. The deer's slightly quartering to him, right in the shoulder joint. And he's 15 yards from it on the ground. And the deer, when it jumps to run and turn, I see the arrow go, go with the deer like this. It wasn't doing this. So when he jumps, it didn't go like that. That means it's in him. If you see him going like this, it's that's the, the old flapper shot. Yeah. That's yeah, on the outside. That's the old that's the old rage flapper freaking bounce off and stuff. But it didn't. The arrow literally the deer jumped and the arrow just went with him. He said, What do you think? I said, Deer's dead. He's 70 yards away. There will be no blood trail because you're through the bone and the meat there is very thick. And their shoulders moving. So your thorax is here and your shoulder. So when you shoot them through the shoulder blade, shoulder meat. That shoulder's moving. Well, the holes go like that. And they close. Oh, so you're not but getting the as much blood. Yeah. Yeah, there's no open hole. It's got to right. line up. Right. So I said the deer's dead. He's down right down the hill. And how much air you got left? I said, I bet you got twelve or I got you, bet you got 12 inches of penetration. He said, I got 14, 12 or 14 inches of penetration. I got, oh, he showed me the arrows on text or whatever. I said, the deer's dead. He's right down the hill. Don't expect a blood trail. Just go get him. He said, we do, we, everybody else says it's a one lunger. I said, okay. He said, we called the dog already. I said, okay. I mean, I, I got no problem with people being 
smart, right? And he's seen a lot of deer shot with a morning, like hundreds, because he, he ran camera from Midwest Whitetails forever. Yeah. So in the video, <laughs> it was awesome. So this lady comes out. She's got her dog. She's German short hair or something. They go up the hill. You see the dog go like this. He, he's on, already got it's on something yeah. he literally goes he goes like this i see him go like that she cuts him loose and he's gone down the hill and he went 75 yards yeah he was shooting 650 grains he was shooting a single bevel broadhead and he's a pretty meticulous arrow tuner yeah and i taught them how to sharpen broadheads this summer he also shot full length through an elk this year facing him right down the freaking pipe and went out the back of it wow <laughs> With the same with the same setup, yeah. and he just says it's bomb proof. And I've got the video, and he, the humerus is about that big. It's like a lemon, and the broadhead hit it dead center. It's this ball right here. It's cut like a lemon. It's literally got a hole in it. But the broadhead hit torqued and popped it, and it hit the other shoulder blade and stopped. But it oh, cut all the major arteries on the front of that deer. Any other setup. Even if he'd had the same setup with a three blade or a four blade, he probably wouldn't have gotten through the bone. So, w- with that setup and the, the weight, ultimate system, the weight tray, what nope. what are you looking? Or you're not so it's not the weight; it's the FOC you're saying, or the weight? No, it's that's a, it's a combination of the Ford. He has just that arrow. I built those arrows for him. That arrow is probably twenty three percent Ford center, and I know he's I know what's flying right. And 635, 40 grains. But he had everything. He had a single bevel. It was sharp. It was machined. It wasn't multiple pieces. That thing's not going to bend. Yeah. It's just not going to bend. I, mean, I don't know what to say. But I don't know what's going to bend. Right. I mean, yeah. tell me. What's going to fail? Right? Yeah. He had a machined head like that. It wasn't that one, but he had a cutthroat or something. But doesn't matter. It's a one-piece head. And in that situation, with a humongous deer, very close, I don't think it would have mattered at 35 yards, but at 15, it was really helpful. He had the ultimate arrow system. Notice I haven't talked about bows at all. And his kinetic energy spring <laughs> pushed his arrow, and that just, it, he had every, every factor. So- it has 12 factors. And that was an 11-factor arrow. The only factor he didn't have is a tapered arrow showed a little bit more penetration than a parallel. Okay. He was yeah. shooting a serious Apollo 250. That's the, that's the company I worked with. And um, it's really it's really awesome. I can't wait to post it because you're either going to hate me or you're going to love me. And, and <laughs> I, I'm sorry. I'm just trying to help you kill deer. Yeah, no, I think no, mine's like so. six six eighteen. I think is uh, oh, there you go. My total yeah, arrow yeah. weight. Yeah, it, it's not. You'll see it over six hundred. Yeah, when it gets crazy, that's and, when it starts getting awesome. Um, yeah, I, I can't say how impressed I am. The only thing I haven't shot any real distance other than like, you mm-hmm. know, forty yards or something like that. So, at what point um, do you start losing? Or I mean. Where do where does the line get drawn versus your distance? Oh, you know, God, at like Joey eighty or something. So, so here's the fun part of that. I'm also going to post this stuff. So I've been wondering about this because I know the mass helps. We just shot through a Labrador, which is a unit about that big, right. and it tracks velocity. 
and you can do missiles and bullets and all that kind of stuff. So this one we set on arrow. And we put a target at 70 yards, so we made sure we caught the whole flight out to through 60. You don't have to hit the target. It just needs to pick up the speed. Right. We had arrows from 388 grains. My, my fast bow shot them 293 up to 735 grains. And my fast bow shot them right at about 205 launch speed. Okay. However, the speed erosion on the 388 grain arrow was 30 feet per second from launch to impact, theoretical impact, right? We're shooting through 60. Got it. Your elk is at 60. Yeah. Your arrows, my arrows only going 260 at impact. Hmm. Math. Math's an interesting thing. Just put that in your in your kinetic energy. Yeah. Run that down. It goes from about 78 to 53 pounds of kinetic energy at impact on an elk. However, big Cletus, my best arrow, my 640 grain arrow, lost 12 feet per second despite the initial launch speed hmm. so its kinetic energy dump was it has it was about eight or nine foot pounds heavier kinetic energy at 60 yards than the fast arrow i'll post all this stuff later it's unbelievable it's really cool to see it mathematically you kind of know it right you're shooting a really heavy object it doesn't get lighter right <laughs> it's still heavy when it gets there yeah. Well, that's kind of a crap argument. It's just a straw man argument. Well, it's heavy. Yeah, I'm with you. But it lost nine feet per second or 10, maybe, over 60 yards. Versus 13. So yeah. Instead of 30. Oh, 30, 30. Yeah. No, mm-hmm. that's that's a big difference. Yeah. that's I, cause I, It's a big difference when you, you know, when you start doing the kinetic energy piece. Because I, I chronicled It's terrifying, mine, actually. And uh, yep. I think I was like 230, 230 feet per mm-hmm. second out of the bow but it'd be yep. it would be really interesting to see what what it would do down range and you know but it's doing two i bet it's doing 220 at 60 that's that's so pretty impressive i, it, I mean that's <laughs> well think about that from uh from the side standpoint though think about the arch that you're dealing with when it's consistently when it's not slowing down it's going to be a very consistent parabola going out Yeah. As opposed to, so my buddy who had the, he had a, he's a Western guy. He's got 90 yard pins. He had the 388 grand arrow. That's the only reason I had one. The lightest I have was 420. I just didn't work at it. I was, I'm going to go lower, but he had his, and his pin gaps were, you know, deet, 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 deet. And then 90 was like this humongous <laughs> 70 to 90 or 80. That was this gigantic drop because of the speed, you could see the speed erosion in the pins. And when I see guys with pins, the trouble is going to be is getting low enough, your sight bracket low enough to shoot that far. Right? I mean, it's going to eventually, your starting point is going to be lower. Yeah. And it could interfere with the arrow. <laughs> uh, some of the sliders and stuff will do it, but that's where I, I, I worry about getting these chats with all these western guys and they tell me there's no way you can kill anything under 60 yards and i'm okay somehow the stick bow guys did it they still but still the indians did it really well <laughs> yeah. yeah they still do 
So my concern is how many animals are being hit weird. You don't know you hit them. 80 yards is hard to see the arrow. I, I, I don't care who you are. You're stressed out, shooting uphill, wind's blowing a little bit, sun's not good. And you haven't had 75 shots with fat friends on Tuesday. Okay. And let's just say you whip one kind of through the middle and it isn't really an obvious you pick the arrow up and it's not until you say, ooh, it's greasy or whatever. So I have my concerns over that. And I also have my concerns, significant concerns over being able to pass through at that distance. It's it's really I think it's bordering on irresponsible with uh really crappy arrows and if you're shooting a mechanical at a deer that far the, the kinetic energy at 60 yards and that 388 grain arrows in the mid 50s so the launch was in the mid 70s but at impact at 60 it's in the mid 50s and most of the companies and i've screenshotted their websites recommend 50 55 foot pounds to penetrate, you know, with a mechanical. Yeah. All that's their recommendation. It's not me. That's not yeah. me talking. Right. No, it's not to open this stupid thing. That's, that is a, that's a straw man. <laughs> These damn things. Where are they? Hang on. <laughs> I, had to buy, I had to buy some <laughs> rage <laughs> for testing. Can't wait to break them. Okay. We're going to talk about mechanical advantage. So here's the rage, and I bought the skinny ones to make it look as good as possible when I break them. Um, okay. Yeah. I mean, come on, right? Right. I mean, come on. <laughs> that is quite the extreme angle of a. Of it's a, a really, it's really extreme. Uh, let me get it. Oh, here we go. That's better. It's really scary to think that this angle right here is going to be efficient. And then on an elk, they have, they're big. Yeah. Just the thoracic wall on a big bull elk is probably six or seven inches thick. I've only cleaned one and it was getting dark and we, I didn't do, you know, the ranch breaker thing on it, but it's absolutely terrifying when the, this company recommends 55 foot pounds. We know mathematically it's at 55 foot pounds. And here's this thing called physics. You're a genius. I mean, you're some kind of freaking science guy. So there's this guy named Newton. And for a redneck from Texas who doesn't do anything, says crazy stuff, I'm moderately intelligent and read these things called books and stuff. <laughs> this Newton guy figured out this, these laws. And there's a third law of this Newton guy. You can just disregard him if you want to, but every physics textbook on earth uses the Newton laws. That law says for every reaction, every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. So if you don't believe in science, just turn off the podcast and also unsubscribe from my channel because <laughs> you're a flat earther, which <laughs> flat earth people are kind of interesting, but crazy. So anyway, I read a bunch about that. It's super awesome. So if 55 foot pounds is required to penetrate, the tissues are going to equally push back at 55 foot pounds. That means it requires an unknown amount of foot pounds over 55 to keep advancing. It's just math. 
Like I said, there's this Newton guy, and he kind of figures stuff out. Yeah. Poncelet equation, you know, resistance equation, there's all this stuff. And that's terrifying when you could get a really good fixed plate head that may, may take eight or 10 foot pounds to penetrate, and then you've got 40 or 50 pushing. That's how you need to frame this in your head. You don't want to barely overcome the required amount of pressure so it'll advance. You want to massively overcome. And that arrow needs to keep going because you can't control what it's going to hit. You can't. If you know how to shoot between the ribs every time, I don't care what you shoot. I'm not that good. And when they quarter, go to a picket fence <laughs> and walk in towards it and quarter on the picket fence and look down. You tell me how much space is there. Yeah. Yeah, you're not going to so, tuck it between the ribs every time. There's no way. There's no way. So that's the trouble, plus they're real wide. There's not a lot of animals that have a wider intercostal uh, space, which is the space between the ribs, than two inches. There's not very many of them. Yeah. They're pachyderms and stuff and hippos probably, but not, um, not a deer type of animal. You really got to frame in your head this idea. It's not even an idea. You have to understand that you need a ton of you need ton, a ton of pressure beyond. You need to, you need as much kinetic energy helping you push through as you possibly can get, and that's where the fixed blade heads really do well because they don't take a lot of kinetic energy to penetrate. They're equal and opposite reaction, maybe ten or twelve foot pounds or less, and you still have thirty five pushing. Yeah. Whereas if you shoot the old flap on their websites. They say that. So, you know, all these long arm clowns that get on YouTube and everybody's got 31 inch straw and all that stuff. Okay, well, you've got some velocity. I got that. You know, Mr. Gillingham is the worst of them all about that. But he's got a 31 and a half inch draw length. So, what do we do with the kids? We just take them out. We don't let them hunt. Women yeah. can't shoot a bow and arrow. We just, we just delete. 80% of the population from bow hunting because you're the coolest guy on the earth and you got long ass arms. Really? <laughs> Seriously? I've got ladies. Rob Nielsen's wife. I don't know if you know what a Neil guy is, but the King Ranch in Texas decided to try to domesticate this big blue thing called a Neil guy. And they're about the size of a horse. They stand about this tall. I'm six feet tall. So, and they're big and, Real big front shoulders. And they are, they suck up 300 wind mags. They just run off. She shoots 43 pounds and a 575 grain arrow with about 27% forward to center because her arrows are so short. So it's math, right? If you have really short arrows, the forward to center goes up just mathematically because it's forward of a shorter stick. Yep. She shot completely through two 400 pound new guy into the dirt. And we got guys on TV that can't freaking get an arrow through a deer. She does it all the time. She's shot sables and she's this wonderful lady from Georgia. She's a school teacher. She's the nicest lady. She's a little tiny thing. <laughs> oh, Troy, how are you doing today? You know, we got some stew. We're going to have dinner and all of that. She's awesome. And she's killed. She thinks deer are kind of annoying. She just shoots through those and pigs. Ah, I just blow those down. You know, it's no big deal. So. You really got to be thinking about the physics of this thing so that you can have a sport in the future. Yeah. Because the more animals we wound and the more horrible, you know, television printed 
bad situations that those, those people get in where they have to shoot something twice or it's got its head up or whatever. They don't just shoot it and it goes down. It's just not going to help our legacy. And the more I do this, I'm going to really start harping on that. I, somebody's got to stand up and say, if we want to keep bow hunting, we have to shoot the most effective arrow systems we possibly can and take animals very cleanly. And that's not being discussed. Yeah. It's not. I, so, I agree with I you. I totally agree with you on that one. And it, it actually reminds me of my buddy um, who just recently, within the past two years, I think, uh, picked up a bow again. And he only hunted yep. shotgun season. And we were in high school or maybe just out of high school. And um, I was doing a fair amount of bow hunting and having somewhat of success. You know, I wounded a few here and there. And um, he, on the other hand, ended up shooting a doe. We helped him track it for like six hours, about three miles. I mean, just little drops of blood. And uh, I mean, it, it does. It goes back. And I can remember the arrows that he was shooting. And they were these super fast just short little arrows and it was all i mean it was the speed but that was what your your guys in the bow shop were like oh yeah you know it's a 320 foot per second bow you know it's crazy you know do this do that and um and he was shooting it and yeah he's slinging them on the target and they're all touching and cutting fletching and all that good stuff at 20 30 yards but um wherever he hit that doe and i don't even know that was enough to sour him and he did not pick up a oh, bow. Oh, y'all again. lost it. Yeah, we straight up lost yeah. it, couldn't find it. Yeah. And um yep. it happens. It yep. it got to the point to where it made him so sick about it that he set down the bow and he didn't shoot again for like fifteen years. So I mean Really? Yeah, yeah good for him. I you know what, Pat? I, I praise those kind of people. Yeah. I, you know, he said, shit, I can I can shoot him with a twelve gauge slug and they have freaking blow a hole through. Man, that's <laughs> good. They're going down, right? Um it's really, uh, I said this earlier, but it's really a different experience to go out. I can hear the confidence in you now shooting what you're shooting. And I literally know now that it's just up to me and that my aero system will not fail. I, I will not have, I have not in the last 20 hours I've shot, had any weird arrow things happen. Yeah. Come out weird kick weird, go backwards, turn sideways, exit holes 12 inches behind, redirect, none of that. So it's just down to shot placement. And that's another thing I want to touch on. All you shot placement guys, you're annoying. That's the first thing. (laughs) So what, what that means, there's two things that that means. You and I have been dudes our whole life, right? So this is a total schoolyard deal. This is right out of third grade. The first part of shot placement means I'm a better shot than you are. You suck. You're not a good shot, and you can't shoot, and I can outshoot you any day, and nothing ever gets away. That's the first part of the shot placement argument. It's just people being idiots. The second part of that is they are saying, I know my arrow system can't do a whole lot of things, but if I shoot perfectly perfect, it works every time. That's a terrible stance. Do you realize the deer move? That's what happened to me. (laughs) They move a lot and they move completely unpredictably. I'm getting a kick out of this. There's been a couple of videos posted proving gravity that Newton guy, you know, he worked on that one too. Newton and the dude with the big hair, you know, 
<laughs> e equals MC squared guy. Y'all might have to read books to figure out who that guy is. They figured out this gravity thing. And the earth is spinning and all this stuff. It keeps you stuck to the earth. And there's a lot of videos out there proving that a thing drops a certain speed. Well, we've known that since the Egyptians and other smart people figured that stuff out. It's a stupid argument. Because the animals are different everywhere. Okay? They're spinning more than they're dropping. Now that I've said this, when you watch all hunting videos and they slow it down, watch what the deer actually does. They're trying to get away. They're yeah. not dropping. They're really, they're, it's more like this. Okay, I'm going to give you a human comparison. I can hit a golf ball da a long damn way. I, had, I was almost a scratch golfer in high school. And I never made the tour. Manute bowls really fast. I can't catch him. And I'm six feet tall, and there's a lot of people who can dunk who are six feet tall. They're guys, it's just God-given gifts, right? Yeah. Guys who can hit it out of the park, guys who can throw the curve, the guy with the magic arm, a left-handed guy who can throw a good knuckleball and, and a 92-mile-an-hour fastball with a little bit of tail on it. Um, those are freaks. And then there's the rest of the team and their skill level, and then there's the rest of humanity. Animals are the same way. Now, the really dumb, fast, slow ones have been cold. <laughs> they get eaten. But the animals that are there are very top level. I was talking to uh, Grant Woods about this. And he said, we need to realize that the animals we're hunting are the survivalists of the group. There's no dumb, fat ones out there. They got hammered. Yeah. The stupid ones got eaten, right? The ones that have made it three or four years are the best surviving animals, and they're faster. They're more acute. That's how they got there. They've been shot at before, scared off, driven by trucks, blasting a bunch of drunk guys, shooting guns in the air and all that stuff. And so you're shooting at a target that won't die, but there's no predicting with any certainty which direction this animal will go. Your deer came towards you. Yeah. Right, you said yep. it rolled to you. Yep. What who? What deer goes towards a scary thing? I don't. When I'm in a horror movie, I run the other way. I don't run towards a bad guy. That's dumb. <laughs> He's just gonna chop your head off with a chainsaw. So that's why we need to develop arrow systems to take into account your shot placement may be perfect, but the deer moved and it moved six inches. Yeah. Your shot placement on three in three D was a twelve ring. But the deer move and it hit it back or it hit it forward or whatever. And something got in the way. That's the shot placement thing. You're bad. I'm good. You're the worst. You don't practice. You need to practice. You need to do your form. You need to get a back bar and a four foot stabilizer, all the stupid stuff. And then the second thing is when I hit them perfect and you never do because I'm better than you, when I hit them perfect, they die. And that's absolutely true. I'll never deny. I've done a lot with mechanicals. When I've hit them right, it's awesome. They're awesome. Yeah. The blood trails and stuff and the, the, the destruction is fantastic. Right? Until you hit them but wrong. You don't. <laughs> it's, right. It's T-Row zero. It's T-Row zero. So for our sport, if you just sit in the dark every once in a while and say, I'd really like to be the most efficient bow hunter and I want the best arrow system because that's what kills a deer. And kills moose and all that stuff is the arrow and the broadhead. What would I do different? 
if things didn't go the way I planned? It's just a look in the mirror question. Do I have the best aero system for what I do? The top notch, no fails, lowest percentage of failure system on the planet. And if we don't start pursuing that, we're going to have a challenge in the future as a sport. The guns are going to be first. You know, they're already going to come after that because all the political crap. So we're hiding in a hole over here, bow hunting, fine. They're not really after us yet. But if somebody who was not in a bow hunting mindset and wanted the sport to go away were to mandate that everyone turn in their success rates. Yeah. Might not be so good. Bow fishing. There's always bass fishing, you know. I'll go back to do that. So that's where I really wanted to talk about tonight was I just want people, I know I'm the crazy heavy air guy and I'm off the rails and you can think I'm crazy. I don't care. I'm telling you what, if, if I built you a set of arrows and rolled some tough heads on there, you would kill stuff like you've never killed before you, any angle. It's really crazy. I sound arrogant, but it really, I continue to be amazed. When that pig fell apart in my hands because her spine was shattered, I was just like, it just keeps happening. Yeah. And it wasn't a great shot. It was that high back nightmare. You know, you've arrows this long sticking out of the dang thing, and you're like, oh, no, right through. It went in the dirt. Fletchings were in the hole, and she went down. I mean, it hit her and kept going, and it went chut. It didn't go pop. Yeah. And she was gone, right? So, you know, I appreciate having me on because I went on a little bit of a Baptist preacher thing here. <laughs> we really got to worry about. We really have to, the more I do this, the more, the more, I say this a lot on my channel and I joke around and say stuff on people's podcasts and stuff. We got to stop trying to make them bleed and we got to kill them. Yeah. And that sounds brutal, but you need to shoot a sharp broadhead through the thoracic cavity, pass through, and they go 50 yards. If they don't bleed for some reason, which is completely uncontrollable, I might add, they're still 50 yards away. And generally speaking, you don't shoot with your eyes closed and then listen. You get to, you generally get to see the direction of travel. So you can eliminate basically that direction. Yeah, behind <laughs> you for sure. And you know, look out there some way. You know, it's kind yeah. of over there. Yep. And it, it helps. Because uh, them old pigs don't like bleeding. They have a lot of mud on them. They have really long hair. Their, their thoracic walls are thick. They tend to not bleed really well. And the further forward I shoot, right on the crease, lower one third, and I hit when I hit them right, I don't even. I just go in the woods, and I find them. They go about sixty-five yards now. You, our average distance in the past is about one fifty. So I've cut that in half. And the probably the greatest contributing factor to that is I'm fortunate now that I'm a YouTuber and kind of have a little bit of run. And I guess I'm sent a lot of things and I really get to play with the highest quality stuff. So as I've been able to tinker around with the tough head evolution, that's S seven tool steel. It's not going to fail. I've shot a bunch of iron wheel stuff, a bunch of Magnus stuff and the better broadheads out there really makes a difference yeah it really kills them dead 
like dad. And you know, I can't preach this enough. We just won't have a sport. And it's not as much fun. You already busted ass, walked in a mile and a half to your secret tree as you walk by half the freaking you know, county. they're also out there they might know where your secret tree is i have to get used to that i'm not used to seeing people because i'm on public private land my whole life and then you finally get a shot and something dumb happens and your system fails your arrow physically fails now if it passes completely through and you gut shoot a deer because you made a mistake or the deer spun hit a branch or you pulled the shot then you're human okay I'm good with those. I'm okay with we're humans and sometimes we make mistakes. You're a deer that turned toward you. There's no predicting that 95% of the time he turns away. Yeah. There's, that doesn't happen. You know, let's eliminate when the shot goes into the chest area and it balks. Let's eliminate those. Absolutely. And then let the chips fall when it's just, you know, that gummit. I wasn't trying to gut shoot a deer. You know? Yeah. I mean, definitely, so, if you can just up the success rate, you know, to where, one, I mean, retention. If you think about my buddy, how many other people does that happen to where they never came back to the sport, never picked up a bow? How many people did he tell the bow and arrows don't work? Well, or that, yeah. I mean, um, I know That's he didn't. He worse. didn't actually tell people that because I know who he is, and his dad, uh, dad was still a stone cold uh, deer killer. But it, it affected him enough to where where he didn't pick it up. But imagine all the other people out there that uh, that definitely got shied away from the sport or told other people you don't need to deer hunt or wow how horrible that was or anything like that, to where it definitely does change your perspective and really want to be, I mean, not that anybody doesn't want to be more successful, but why wouldn't somebody want to try and improve and do anything they can to up their odds of correcting that bad shot or making it to where that bad shot, even though anything, any variable like that happens, that you know you can still have confidence within your arrow. Not saying you would take a bad shot, but if you somehow something happened and you had enough confidence within that arrow, to where you knew it would still do what it needed to do. Well, this goes back to the quarter and two shot, and then we'll cut out. And so we've been blabbering a long yeah. time, drive people crazy. Hopefully, we got a lot of truckers on here who drive twelve hours a day and they don't care about those. <laughs> yeah. um, I really do believe after doing the quarter and two shot series. So go to my channel, the Ranch Fair. It's pretty easy to remember. Just type that in. You'll see my dumb face in some contorted position. There's no doubt about that. And look for the quarter and two shot series. And the more I looked at the footage and then I did anatomy in my head, it's actually higher risk to shoot them back, pass through and shoot them in the guts in one lung than it is to aim with an adult with a real arrow and aim for the heart and try to break through because it's only about this far and you got everything. Yeah. But a complete pass through back, guts plugged hole six hours and still alive and a dog not everybody's <laughs> got one of those right right seriously yeah. is way riskier and worse for the sport worse for the deer and quite frankly worse for your deer meat quality yeah that that time that they're stressed does not help your deer meat quality it's really bad for the meat all the uh, adrenaline is not 
not not a good thing for the meat. So you've you've kind of you've you've worked all this time, days out there. You've finally got off of work or whatever, and then your deer takes seven hours to find. That should just be the the, the fun is the wind up, right? Talking trash with your friends and getting out there and having to get close <laughs> calls and then finally getting to shoot. And then it's another six hours. Shouldn't we just kill the deer? Yeah. Shouldn't it be just grip and grin? It's way cooler. And like I said, don't misunderstand me, everybody, for listening. I sound really arrogant, I think, to the average guy, and especially if you're shooting a really light arrow and you've had some success and you shoot a mechanical broadhead, which I make fun of all the time. I don't really apologize for that. But you can up that arrow system to where it will almost do anything. Yeah. And the shoulder shot on according to, and then when they spin and drop and you spine them, and then you're shooting a single bevel broadhead, you're going to shoot through the spine. And they may flop around, but they're going to be right there and you shoot them again. They ain't running with a broken spine. They will run with a bonk spine with a, where a mechanical broadhead hits and stops and they run off with it. We don't know what happens to that deer. But if you shoot through the spine, they're dropping. They may be flopping, but you shoot them again. They're right there. They don't go 50 yards and fall. They're down. Yeah. It's just, I don't know, really don't want to come across as being a jerk, but God, it's way cooler to just kill them. It yeah. really is the goal, you know? So, Troy, yeah. with uh, that being said, I think it's a good a good wrapping up point to uh, end this podcast. Yep. So. Can you uh, tell everybody where they can find you, all your uh, media channels and avenues? Well, okay. So I'm not a very good marketing person, but because I called myself the ranch fairy from running the ranch for 10 years, I literally called myself and said, okay, I'll take care of the toilet. Y'all can't just put a flapper in it. You know, <laughs> you can't just fix, you know, put gas in the tractor. So by sheer luck, I named myself the ranch fairy. So just, it's easiest to just Google me. Okay. You'll see it. It'll come up. Don't worry. And then I'm on YouTube, same handle. And then I think on Facebook, and this is terrible. I'm 52 years old. I just don't care. I think I'm under W R A Y Ranch Fairy. I'd set up two accounts and they got tangled together. And my wife's maiden name is Ray, and the ranch is the W R A Y R A Y Ranch. And I, everybody's like, "You'll just change it." I'm like, ah, I don't care. <laughs> yeah. So now it works. And then Instagram under the ranch fairy. So okay. you'll see me posting. I get a lot. I put up a lot of pictures of people when they send them in to me who've blown stuff down, broken shoulders and broken spines and deer shot in the butt comes out their chest. And I had two, three different people head shoot deer this year. Like the, they shot at them from an elevated position and the deer spun toward them and just whoop, one kid's arrow penetrated all the way into the thorax, went through its head and down his whole neck. <laughs> And the, bro- the fletchings were sticking out of it. I didn't send those pictures. No, out. yeah, yeah. But the fletchings were sticking out the top of its head. So, <laughs> yeah, it's pretty simple. Just find me under the ranch ferry. I ask, I answer every message I'm sent. My email is troy at ranchferry.com. So if you have questions about all this crazy stuff, and you know you don't want to tell your friends about your condition, you can just talk to your uncle Troy. And <laughs> I'll help you in the, you know in the dark. You know, <laughs> we won't tell anybody. And you don't have to just don't let your friends hold your arrows because you'll make them feel bad because it weighs twice as much as theirs. <laughs> and then uh, the fun. Ashby, uh, what is it? Bow hunting foundation or what? what is uh sure. Ashby bow org. 
okay. check us out there. That's on the website. We'll be posting a bunch of stuff. We're really going to get going probably in the next three months. And then we're hoping to return to Australia next summer. We have a place that wants us to call 120 buffaloes. Very cool. And uh, we have three 500 nitros to assist <laughs> us in the culling operation. So we're going to, the way Ed did it was they shot most of the buffaloes with a rifle so that the animal was within a 30 minute time frame from hitting the ground. So, it, so the science is good. If you shoot one let it lay there for four hours, it's not the same rigor mortis sets in, the skin tightens up, everything changes. So we'll have to like literally set up the trailer and say, today we're testing X. And then we're driving around with a 500 nitro. <laughs> oh, that's pretty cool. <laughs> oh, when I come back, I want to just be, yeah, every day the, the recoil's here. I mean, I'm used to it now. Boom, got it. You know, <laughs> so that'll be a hoot. A month in the outback will be fun. So we're hoping to do that and then bring back great data. That's awesome. And, you know, if you're curious, it's out there in the crowd. What I think is going to happen um, from my own testing is I think we're going to break a bunch of uh, components. More to come on that. Okay. I think there's going to be insert and sleeve system failures. We're going to know we know some bronze is going to break because the velocity is so much higher. Right, so the momentum's going to go up right. from the stick bow that Ed was shooting, even though he broke a bunch of stuff. We're going to break a ton of broadheads, and it's going to be some companies going to hate us. Too bad, your your broadhead exploded. But I think we're going to have component failures. Hmm. I think there's a, yeah, I think there's going to be some sleeve systems that you know are supposed to be tough, and I, I I don't I just I don't have all the confidence in the world. These little guys. The old steel ones that look like that with the really short front ends. That's a hundred grainer in there. Yep. They don't break. They don't break. Hmm. More to come on that. So right. That's the teaser. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much for having me on. I appreciate your time. Thanks for letting me rabble. Yeah. No, I appreciate it. Thanks, man. Once again, thank you so much for listening to the Publicly Challenged podcast. I hope you enjoyed the show, and if you did, please subscribe on whatever platform it is you're listening to. Also, if you could leave a review, that would help us out. And you can check us out on Instagram or at publiclychallenged.com. And once again, thank you so much for listening to the show. go out there and the fish are where you think they are, any one of these casts could be the bite. It's the most exciting fishing that I know right here at Hawks Cave. Oh, that's awesome. Experience the best saltwater fishing the world has to offer. Don't miss Thursdays with Saltwater Experience, brought to you by Golden Boat Lifts, every Thursday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment. to go with like just full-blown redneck on these fish. This is like high-tech cane pole fishing right here. From the white sandy beaches to the crystal blue waters, enjoy the best fishing Panama City Beach has to offer during Chasing the Sun, Sundays at 9.30 a.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment.